I'll give a wave like this just to let you know that that joke is over. I misbehave on stage, but I'm better than when I wasn't sober. Okay, so um, I've sobered up. There's still some blackouts. And, um, I worked in hymens and survived tornadoes and trailers, but that don't mean I won't put in my two weeks later. Having a good time, baby, having a good time, baby. We're having a real good time. We're having a good time, baby. Okay, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name's Dusty Slay. I'm back with you as your host. And with me is my producer, Hannah Hogan. Hey, Dusty, great to be in the studio. I'll say that one more time, Hannah. Hey, Dusty, great to be in the studio. I had your microphone turned down, and I'm sorry about that. That's okay. As the producer, you probably should be running the sound, but I have that all on my desk here. All right, well, it's sorted out. Well, welcome. Welcome. Uh, it is the 6th of July. It's the 7th. 7th of July. It's seven seven twenty. Yeah, it's my dad's birthday. It's your dad's birthday today. And uh, thankfully, we've had, you know, this is the second night in a row with no fireworks. I'm excited. On July 3rd, there started to be a little bit of fireworks in the neighborhood. I was very excited by it. July 4th, we had the biggest fireworks show in my neighborhood I believe I've ever seen. The surrounding neighborhoods had bought fireworks, and they had professional-grade fireworks, explosions. They were going all over the house. Part of me was excited. Part of me was like, dang, they're scaring all my birds away. All the birds I worked so hard to get, they're being scared away by the fireworks. I was a bit triggered by it. Well, I was sad because I, I've been working hard to get these birds around here, and now they're gone. And 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 and, uh, and then July fifth, we had more fireworks, and then I turned into a crotchety old man and uh, about it. And then now we're firework free. I love the fireworks, but you got to give it to me in doses. Yeah, I can't do three nights in a row of random explosions. I also like a fireworks show that is continuous. Boom, 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 boom. I don't like a little bottle rocket fest out there where it goes, choo, pow, and then it's just like random explosions. Give it to me all at once. That way I know what's happening. I can take it in. Don't let me get settled back down and chill and then jolt me with sounds. You want a sensory overload. Right. I'd rather be overloaded than, than be randomly traumatized. But I enjoyed it. I like the fireworks, and I had two doves living out in my tree in my front yard, and I had in a in a box that I put up in the tree, and I have not seen them there since, which is pretty sad to me. I got a bird living in a, a, a planter that I put up next to the house. I think he's still there, or she's still there. I don't know. Uh, some birds I can tell the male and the female, but uh, this particular bird flies out very fast. Uh, I have. We have quite a lot going on. Our flowers are blooming. I got my first hummingbird in the backyard. I saw one today, too. Yeah, it's very exciting. It looks like an insect, but it's a bird. And I got a butterfly the other day. I had a butterfly and a hummingbird on the same plant, and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful time, and uh, I'm excited to have it. 
uh, because the where we've been, where we're going segment is going to be non-existent this week because I have not been anywhere and I am not going anywhere. I would love to. I would love to, but everybody's struggling all around. Clubs, you know, are struggling because they've been shut down for months. They don't want to pay a lot of money. Also, they're like, we're not going to be able to fill the place up. So they're like, they don't want to pay a lot of money. And then comedians are not wanting to accept a little money. I mean, you know, I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, face potential catching the coronavirus and also being potentially shamed online for doing a show if you're not going to get paid. You know what I mean? I mean, let's make that money. But I think everything's going to be fine. It's all going to get worked out. Um, And um, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited. I feel happy and healthy, and I'm I'm blessed for it. So we're going to talk about a couple of things. Um, I'm going to end the podcast with uh, a bit of religious talk, but... I don't think I have anything, not that any of the talks have been heavy, but I don't uh, feel like this will be heavy. I'm just going to lightly touch on something that, uh, because, you know, I didn't know about this when I was growing up, going to church, and uh, I find that it's interesting. But I want to talk a little bit more about fireworks for a second. When I was a little kid, we would get those packets of black cats, you know, the long string of of of. Uh, fireworks that you can get and you light them all at once and they go pop, 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 pop. Sounds like a machine gun shots. Um, when I was growing up, we would buy a couple of packets of those because all we would get is a few bottle rockets, black cats, a couple of packs of black cats, and maybe some Roman candles. Occasionally we'd get some snakes, but it was mainly bottle rockets and black cats. So the black cats, we'd get two packs of them. It'd probably be two packs of 500 fireworks. And you know, you could light them all at once and then they're all gone. Or you could take it apart and light them one at a time, which is what I would always do. And I remember the first time I saw somebody light it all at once, I thought, man, they got some money, you know, like they got money if they're trying to burn them all at once. I was a single firework shooter. And uh, yeah, I mean, I liked, I liked to put a black cat in individual things. Like we would have hornets that would dig little holes in the sand. I like to put a black cat in there and blow that hole up. I like to, you know, put it in ant beds. I never went as far as putting it on. I knew people that would talk about putting it in frogs mouths and stuff like that. I never would do stuff like that. I I never liked hurting animals. I never minded hurting insects, but I never liked hurting animals. I was a brutal mass murderer of insects. But I never hurt animals. You're still known to pee on an ant hole to this day. Well, I love to pee on an ant bed. I mean, I like peeing on ants in general. (laughs) This is why I like peeing on ants. We've had a fair amount of trouble with ants this year. I mean, I've been spraying a lot. And every time we leave a little bit of something sweet out, even if it's in a container but just not sealed up all the way, the next morning we have... You know, what did you call it, Hannah, the transatlantic highway coming up here? Yeah. I mean, it's just like they're just a trail of ants a mile long, uh, you know, half a mile wide coming in to the house to get that little bit of treat. Yeah. And watermelon rind. 
watermelon. I threw. I didn't want to leave. I ate some watermelon last night, and I didn't want to take it out to the trash, but I didn't want to leave it on the counter, so I just threw it out on the porch. And I mean, they took over that thing. And you know, so what I like about it is they form this trail, and this trail helps them find the food. And I love to pee on a trail. I love to pee on an ant trail and just confuse them. Like if the trail's going up the wall. I like to pee those ants right off the wall. And then I like to try to soak that wall down so that they wouldn't even want to come back up there. But the moment it's dry, they're back. They're back up on that wall. They don't care. It's like they're into it. You know what I mean? They don't care. So I'll pee on all kind of ants. I mean, I, I used to be pretty brutal with the ants. I would I like to take a small shovel or even just a handful of fire ants. I like to scoop my hand in there, get a handful of fire ants, and then and then take another ant bed that I had already stomped on, and they're mad, and I take that little chunk and put it right inside of the other ant bed. They don't recognize each other, and they think each one of them has destroyed each other, and they fight each other. It's a lot of fun. They don't know I'm the one pulling the strings. I don't think they have eyes. They're mad at each other. For, for what's gone down, but it was me that did it. I'm pulling the strings. I'm making them fight each other, and they don't even know what's happening. It's a vicious world. It is a vicious world. And, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be here. And I didn't take the kind of notes that I took last week. Last week, I, I've had a, quite a busy day, and I've had, I've been, I didn't. I think t- you've had the busiest day in the last four months. It's been a very busy day. I got I got some exciting stuff on the horizon that I'd like to talk about soon. I can't talk about it right now, but uh, I'm excited. And I also don't like when people do what I just did. Yeah. But this is the podcast. I feel like people that have taken... I don't advertise my podcast a lot. And I feel like the reason is, is because I found the people that I want to be listening to it. And thank you. And uh, if other people find out about it, great. But I don't advertise it a lot because I'm not trying to force people to listen to it. I feel like the people that have come here, the people that enjoy listening to what I have to say, and I like that. Um, You know, I don't think there's a small amount of people that listen to this at all. I think I have a, a good number. But I also, you know, know that other people are getting way larger numbers than me. But I think, does that really matter? I mean, honestly, it's like, if you have the amount of people that I have that listen to my podcast each week, uh, it's amazing that that many people are listening to me talk. So I'm I'm thrilled by it, and I'm not out there trying to force people to listen to my podcast all the time. It's like people oftentimes will message me, and they'll go, hey, somebody told me you had a podcast. Where can I find that at? And then I'll send them there. And that feels great. I love that. If people want it, they'll find it. Also, if anyone just has the podcast podcast app, all they need to do is look is put your name in there and then your podcast comes up. Yeah. Just put it in there and then subscribe and then you get notifications when I post new things. Uh, leave a review on there, though. If you are following and you haven't left a review, just leave a review and give me some stars. That way when people go – give me the full amount of stars – that way, when people go on there, they'll go, well, this must be a good podcast. Because look at all the people that like it. Charlie Daniels died. That's very sad to me. Okay. I am okay, but I like Charlie Daniels. And also, I see Charlie Daniels being slandered a bit on the internet, which I don't like. He was a great guy. He he was in the music industry for a long time. He was a very moral man. 
and he seemed to really care about people, and he really cared about um, our country, and he cared about our military, and he did a lot of good things for people. And I think he's a really great guy and a great person, and people try to slander him because they don't like his politics. And I just think that we put so much emphasis on politics these days that we, we can't even like people if they don't agree with us. And I just think that's a shame because uh, he was a good guy, and I have enjoyed his music my entire life. Um, we've talked about the song Trudy on here before. We've talked about the song Long Haired Country Boy on here before. Um, he has songs like Simple Man and not the Leonard Skinner version. He has his very own Simple Man song. Um, he had rocking out yesterday and I was like, dang, this is pretty good music. It is good. You know, mo- most people don't know that it's, you know, Charlie Daniels may, you know, he probably does some, some solo things, but it is the Charlie Daniels band. And they get funky. I mean, they get down with it. I mean, the song, I mean, they really jam. They're like uh, very similar to a Marshall Tucker band, but I think, you know, better lyrically. And they have, and Charlie Daniels just, and I got to meet him. I got to meet him last year at the Grand Old Opry. My uh, old agent, uh, Travis, took me there to meet him. Travis was representing uh, Charlie Daniels at the time both while at APA, we're both gone from APA now, but, um, and me and Travis are still friends. I don't get to see him as much now, one, because we have a a global pandemic and two, because we don't, we're not at the same agency now, but great guy. And he took me to meet Charlie Daniels at the Opry. And I was very excited about it. And I walk into the green room and I think, that Travis is great friends with Charlie Daniels. I think that they've spent long amounts of time together on the road or whatever. I just think they're buddies because he's like, yeah, we represent Charlie Daniels. And I, I don't know how, I mean, I know more now, but I didn't know how agent client relationships went, you know? So we're showing up. Travis is also, you know, he's a good old boy. And, and here I am in a, in a, a green room with a 82, 83 year old, uh, mega star of a musician and also just an older southern man i feel uh old, when i'm in a room with older southern men i feel like i really go to massive my mass respect mode because i you know i just that's the way i was raised you don't come into a room with an 80 year old man and just start talking their ear off you don't come in like what up Mr. Daniels, you know what I mean? You're like, I get into my most respectful mode, like I'm talking to an authority figure. And, you know, so I'm just hanging out. Charlie Daniels has invited us into the green room. So I'm already excited by that. I'm sitting on a couch. He's sitting on a chair. I'm sitting across from Charlie Daniels with a big belt buckle with a cross on it. And, you know, I talked to him. I told him that I was, I've been a fan for a long time, but I, I didn't have a lot to say. I didn't know what to say to Charlie Daniels. So I just thought I would sit and listen to him talk to other people in hopes that I could hear some story. And Travis made some jokes with him, and apparently Charlie Daniels' road manager had hurt his knee pretty bad. And Travis knew the road manager, and Travis was trying to make jokes. And he was like, he goes... I think, I don't know what the road manager was. Let's just call him Jeff. He was like, yeah, I heard Jeff hurt his knee the other day, so I sent him a message. I told him just rub a little dirt on there. And uh, Charlie Daniels goes, he didn't laugh at all. And he goes, yeah, I think he, I think he's pretty hurt. I think his knee's really bothering him. 
And Travis was like, oh. And uh, so when we le- – and then I got to watch Charlie Daniels on stage play The Devil Went Down to Georgia from backstage at the Grand Old Opry. So I got to watch, you know, Charlie Daniels from the back play, and I got to watch the audience, and I got to watch him just burn up bows off a fiddle. They had a whole system to where Charlie Daniels would – you know, he would tear up a bow so bad playing that fiddle, and then he would reach his hand behind him, and there would be a guy there ready to hand him a new bow. I mean, so, I mean, he would he would burn it up, drop it, reach back, grab a new one. And then he played Devil Went Down to Georgia. He had added in a part, a long jam session that I had never seen. And then, then it was over. And when we left the Opry... Travis said to me, he goes, man, you really left me hanging in there. He was like, you didn't say nothing to Charlie Daniels. And I was like, I was like, oh, I mean, he wasn't mad at me, but he was really like, what happened in there? Because he knows me as a, as a real talker. So he's like, what happened in there? And I was like, oh, I was like, I don't know what to say to Charlie Daniels. What do I say to a man? Like, you know, I can wow people with road stories. I can tell them road stories. But what kind of road stories do I have for a man that's been doing it as long as Charlie Daniels? What kind of insight could I give to Charlie Daniels? What 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 do I have to offer 80-year-old people at all? You know what I mean? They've been on this earth far longer than me. I, I When I'm in the presence of someone who's been doing something for that long and there's other people talking to them, I'm just going to listen to them talk. But, and I don't know if this has been canceled or not, but there was the... Charlie Daniels Volunteer Jam that was going to be happening later this year in Nashville, and I uh, had been given a spot on the show. And, uh, you know, I'm more sad that Charlie Daniels is gone than anything. And I honestly can say that. Sometimes I'll say that sort of thing about people, and I don't really mean it. But I am more sad that he's he's gone um, than I am about the Volunteer Jam, but I hope it still happens. I, but mainly I just wanted to talk to him and try to ask him some of those questions that I that I would have liked to have asked him, which I, I don't know what they would be, really. Um, but, you know, John Conley I've gotten to see a couple of times, and I am a big fan of John Conley, but not nearly as big of a fan as I am of Charlie Daniels. Uh, and no offense to John Conley. I think his music's incredible, but I was not exposed to John Conley as a kid. I only found him later in life. Charlie Daniels... I've been listening to since I was a small kid. I mean, I remember having headphones, much like the ones I'm wearing now, big enough to cover the ears, and you can't hear yourself as well. And I had a Sony Walkman with a Charlie Daniels Greatest Hits on it, and I remember listening to uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia over and over and over again. As soon as it ended, I would play it again. As soon as it ended, I would play it again. And I was just trying to memorize it because I loved that song so much. I was trying to memorize it. And he gets to that part where he says, uh, I didn't told you once, you son of a bitch, right? And I remember singing that, just just belting it out. And the next morning, my mom uh, was. We were having breakfast or whatever, and she was like, uh, "Heard you singing that Charlie Daniels song last night." And it still didn't register with me. And then she reminded me of the son of a bitch part. And I was like, oh, gosh. And she never really said anything about it. And I thought, well, that shows how great Charlie Daniels was. Even though I said that word so many times, she didn't even bother to tell me to lock it up. 
Okay, so you wouldn't be allowed to say son of a bitch in front of your mom? Oh, no. I mean, that, I never cussed at all in front of my mom. Still to this day, I don't cuss in front of my mom. I don't cuss a lot in general, but when I do, it's not in front of my mom. Mm-hmm. I don't... When I used to smoke cigarettes, I wouldn't smoke cigarettes in front of my parents either. I just find it to be... I don't know why I think smoking cigarettes is so disrespectful, but I enjoy cigarettes, and I don't think there's... If you want to smoke them... I don't think there's any problem with that. But for some reason, when I was around adults, I just felt, even if the adults were also smoking, I just felt like some kind of punk kid smoking a cigarette. And I don't know why, but I did always feel that way. I I used to smoke cigarettes, and I smoked while we were together. I don't remember this. Well, you do, but I always thought, that you were the only boyfriend of mine that really never even nagged me about quitting. And you were like, yeah, smoke if you want to. <laughs> like you had a really like liberal approach to cigarettes. Well, I'm all about personal freedoms and I'm all about people doing things they enjoy. You know what I mean? Like I think cigarettes have a time. Like I don't think that you can embrace cigarettes and go, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I think that's a bad way to look at it. But I think, you know, if people want to have cigarettes, let them have it and let them smoke in spaces in the world. I mean, quit. I mean, you know, I'm I'm for an all outside smoking. I'm for people having to smoke outside. But I just this idea that you can't smoke in the street, that you can't smoke anywhere, that everything's non-smoke and it's non-smoke. And it's like, let people smoke. You know what I mean? If they want to do it, let them smoke. I'm all about it. And and that's the same for you. I mean, I know that you smoked and when and I knew that I know that you're a healthy person. So smoking cigarettes is not something you're gonna do the rest of your life. And you you never wanted to be smoking them. And you also would only smoke about a half of a cigarette. And then you would put and the ashtray was full of half smoked cigarettes. And so you weren't like when I smoked, I would take a deep, heavy hit and breathe it in and, you know, and breathe it out my nose or whatever. And I love smoke. And I would you and you also are the kind of smoker that you'll only smoke when you can be sitting still still and you, you love a back porch and you like some kind of carbonated drink. Yep, that's you have to have the trifecta, the sit down, the, the ginger ale. The half cigarette. I will not walk and smoke. I will not have a dry mouth and smoke. And see, I'm like that with cigars. I I love to get my setup going. I like a water. I like a ginger ale or a ginger beer. And I like, you know, to be out somewhere. And I need uh, a person to talk to, a phone or uh, a computer so that I can smoke and just drift off. I mean, I, I love to smoke and scroll on my phone. But one of my favorite things to do, honestly, is to have a cigar with another person and just talk to them. It's a lot of fun. Uh, one of my favorite things. And um, so, uh, but you need all those things. See, I used to enjoy cigarettes in the car. Smoking and driving was one of my favorite things. I love to just uh, have my favorite song playing on the radio and have a bit of a beer buzz and just smoking in the car. I've smoked cigars in the car uh, in my Volvo while driving down the road. It's tough. It's hard to do. But I've done it, and I enjoy it. I used to, when I would travel 
to northern states, uh, and it'd be re- in the wintertime, it'd be real cold. I would sit in the car with the car running and the heat blasting with the window down, snow hitting my arm, my one hand freezing that I'm hanging out the window, and just smoking and listening to music. It's so great. It just really is great. And so, you know, I'm all, I don't know, I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but I, I don't even know why I started talking about cigarettes, but I'm out, I am all about them. So now let's transition into a, oh, oh, it's about, oh, it, it's a, it's a Charlie Daniels thing. The point is, is when I'm around older men, I feel the need to be respectful. Women too. I don't disrespect women either, but, uh, I just feel like I'm just I got to be in my place. I'm I'm the youngster. No matter how old I get, if someone's like 30, 40 years older than me, it's done for. I'm just going to sit down and listen to them. Unless, you know, obviously if we be, you know, become friends and form relationships. Okay. So, let's talk about uh advice for comics. Let's talk about this. I don't I don't have any notes. So I'm just going to kind of riff and I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to share my thoughts on this because I've heard several people say it and I just don't think it makes sense. Like I understand it, but I don't understand how a lot of people use it in context. And it is finding your brand. Now, I understand what it means to find your brand. And I also could tie in also when I hear people say finding my voice, finding my voice as a comic or finding my brand as a comic. I understand what it means and I feel like I have found my voice and I have found my brand. But I don't think it's something that you can look for. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't think that you can look for your brand. I had a friend tell me this one time. He said, I just, I'm just going to work on finding my brand right now. Now, he's a comic that I used to do comedy with years ago, but you know, he's been through a lot of things. He's been, been through a lot of life changes, and a lot of stuff's gone on for him, uh, and he's moved around a bit. So I don't expect him to be where I'm at in comedy. I don't expect that because I have not had the same kind of things happen in my life that he has. And so I've been able to dedicate my time and life to comedy. Uh, but, but he's not as far along as he should be. I will say that. And we were talking on the phone the other day and I was just trying to give him some tips, not even tips like, let me tell you what to do. Just some suggestions of some thoughts of how he might get more ingrained into his local comedy scene, which is a flourishing comedy scene. He has all the stage time just right at his exposure. Is it exposure? Disposal. And I have a lot of connections in this particular city. So I was just, you know, wanting to help him, you know, kind of get out there and tell him, you know, what he ought to do. Just simple stuff. Go to the open mic, listen to people, be nice to people, thank them for letting you be on the show. Rather than, I've been doing this for 10 years, I should be one of the first comics up, what are you guys doing, let me show you how to be funny. Instead of doing those sorts of things, humble yourself, be respectful. You know what I mean? And and he was like, I'm just trying to find my brand right now. He's like, I'm just going to take time and I'm just going to work on my brand. And I was like, listen... 
You can be working on your brand at the same time you're out there working and building relationships with people. You're not going to be the best at comedy right now than you're ever going to be, at least hope not. I mean, I find new levels that I've reached in comedy all the time. I'm always finding a place where I think, wow, I'm better than I thought I could be. But I couldn't, when I was at the level where I thought I was the best I could be, I couldn't envision even how I could be better. Not, not that I thought I was so good that I, that I couldn't be better, but just that I couldn't imagine what being better would mean. So when I, when I hear, so, so to, to think about finding my brand, I mean, I talked about it a little bit last week, how, uh, you know, I had been doing comedy since 2008 and it wasn't until 2016 when I first put on the hat and said, oh, this is something that I could, this is fun. And I didn't put on the hat to go, this is my brand. I put on the hat because it was fun. It brought some joy to my life. You know, it brought joy to me to throw on a West Point Pepperell hat and go on stage. I was being silly. I was being fun. Little did I know it would become something that would, I don't want to give the hat all the credit, but I'm going to give the hat some credit. You know, I mean, I feel like it really took me in a direction and that became my brand. But it already fit in with what I was already doing. I mean, I am who I am. I'm not a a different kind of person now because I wear the hat. I am the same. But if you see, I I, I put I shared some videos on TikTok, which they say will be could potentially be banned in the United States. I have read that that they are potentially going to ban it. So if you're here because of TikTok. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram because once TikTok is gone, I'm going to use Instagram to post videos. So go ahead and follow me at Dusty Slime uh, and uh, and welcome. But uh, uh, I just don't. So so the point of that is I post some videos, some older videos of me without a hat, even doing some jokes that I have done with the hat, and people say to me, "It's not the same without the hat," and I don't believe it is. But that's not the brand for everyone. Everyone's brand is not to throw on a hat. So your brand has got to come to you naturally. And I think the way that you develop your brand is to continue writing and take some of the, uh, you know, the pointers that I gave last week or just suggestions. I don't even call it advice so much as just suggestions. Um, if you're really, you know, if you're, um, you know, talking about your childhood, um, uh, uh, you know, t- talk about things that irritate you or bother you um, by saying that you love them. Uh, it's like if you're doing those things and you're writing about yourself and you're writing about your childhood and you're writing about your reactions to these things while also striving to keep it original, to not do it like somebody else, then you're going to find your brand. Your brand is you. You are your brand. There is no one like you. And as long as you're being your true self and being and talking about you and what things bother you, uh, people are going to relate to it because people are like you, 
but no one is just like you. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that share a lot of the things that you share where they go. I mean, I tell jokes about not washing my hands. I mean, there's a lot of people that are like laughing. I mean, they just howl because that's what they do. They fake wash their hands in a bathroom. And then there's other people that are like, that's gross, but they still find it funny that anybody would act that way. Because we've it's all crossed our minds. Oh, believe me. I mean, there's some germaphobe out there that can't wait to wash their hands right now. I understand that. But most people are like, every time with this? You know what I mean? Every time. I ask people sometimes, I say, how many of you people wash your hands after you use the bathroom when you're at home alone? And a lot of people will say, oh, I do. I do. And I'm like, I don't believe you. And you're a psycho. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you're home alone... What about when you're home alone and you have to get up at night and pee? You wash your hands in the middle of the night when you're sleeping? Get out of here. You're not a human if you do that. Right. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, I'm half asleep. I want to get back to my dream. It's 3 a.m., but I'm just going to take a quick 20 seconds to lather. Exactly. And I have always said, without being crude, I don't know a word for uh, my junk without sounding like a nerd or being gross, right? Uh, so you know what I'm talking about the thing that I touch when I go to pee, um, it's probably the cleanest part of my body. A lot of times, I mean, you know what I mean? Like I get, I get into the shower, I wash off, I get out of the shower. I put my underwear on once you're clean. And then I put my pants on debatable how clean they are over the clean underwear. And, and then I don't touch it. The only time I make it dirty is when I go to the bathroom and touch it. If anything, we should wash our hands before we use the bathroom and if we pee on our hands. Oh, wiping, always a hand wash, unless you're at home alone. Wiping is always a hand wash. Okay, Dusty. What do you, what do you mean? Well. You're saying that you know that I don't do that. No, I'm saying, what are we talking about here? Oh, I don't know. Wiping our butts? I'm just saying. When, when I just feel like it's important to explain. When you need to wipe an area, of course you should wash your hands. But if you're just, I mean, sometimes I don't even touch it. I just open my pants and let it hang out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's great. And uh, so I won't even touch it. Well, I mean, COVID-19 has been a real blessing for this family because, you know, I've seen you wash your hands more in three months than probably the whole five years we've been together. That is true, but I'm not, I'm just trying not to catch a virus out here. Yeah. But, um, so the point is, you know, I mean, all that stuff sounds gross. I get it. But, uh, the more I talk about things like that, the more I talk about things that are personal to me like that and find a way to do it that is still making people laugh, that's important, is when you're telling a joke that's personal about yourself, don't be so discouraged when it doesn't work because chances are it's not going to work right away. I, it took me years to be able to write trailer park jokes that people laughed at as opposed to going, aw. I mean, I had to really figure it out. I hate the aw sound. When I get the awe sound, I want to change everything about the joke. But, uh, you know, it's like the more you work on those jokes and the more you work on things that are personal to you, that becomes your brand because now this is who you are. I mean, if you're just looking to become the axe-throwing comedian, 
Well, then do that. Throw axes and make jokes. I mean, do that. But if you're looking to be a real comic, but you want to find some voice that's going to make people want to listen to you, uh, I think you got to just do it organically. I mean, I, I'm sure there's some people out there that have that have uh, found a niche for themselves, and that's fine. They probably made a ton of money, probably more money than me, uh, doing this niche kind of comedy. But what I like is being able to walk into almost any room and make that audience laugh. Almost any room. I won't say any room because the moment I say that, I'll bomb my next gig. But almost any room I can walk into and I can make that audience laugh. And the reason is because I'm true to myself and I'm making sure the jokes are authentically funny. I mean, there's a joke on a Steve Martin album where he's, he makes the joke. He says, hey, he's a, usually I don't do this. I don't, I don't cater my jokes to specific, specific audiences. But I do hear there's a plumber's convention that's going to be at my show tonight. Uh, so like I say, normally I don't do this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Just If you wouldn't mind, I'd like to do this for the plumbers. And then he does this long, really specific kind of hacky plumber joke, and then when no one he, and then no one laughs, and he goes, "Was that was that plumber's convention tonight?" Or you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you can cater your jokes to people if you write plumber's convention jokes. Then you can do probably all the plumber's conventions in the country. But your only audience is going to be the plumber's convention. You're not going to find the average person out there gets your plumber's convention joke so my advice and you know again you don't have to follow anything i say but my what about like the internet brand though because i think sometimes comedians think about like their internet brand and comedy as almost like a separate entity not a separate entity but a compartment of the brand well i can't say i mean i don't know enough about the internet to uh really give anybody advice on that i mean i think if you want to be a comic i mean for sure give give social media some attention because it's important but learn to I be a comic remember like even just myself when i was doing comedy I would like post a funny picture and caption, but then I'd also post a self-help meme. And it was just kind of like my, my message was divided between sad and funny. Well, my advice would be don't post any self-help memes. If you're trying to be a comic, Hmm. just be a comic. You know, that's what, that's what I, I post, you know, once in a while I'll post some picture, uh, you know, like I just recently, Charlie Daniels died. I posted a picture of me and him. But you know what? That's me meeting a celeb. And I feel I I've, I, I want to post it. But I just post comedy. I just post comedy. I try to talk a little bit about other stuff on the podcast. But I just try to keep it light. Uh, if you want to talk some serious stuff with me, let's have a cigar. But m- most likely, I'll try to just talk to you about comedy. Because I love to talk about comedy and being on the road. And it's fun to share road stories with other comics. Uh, but I don't know about internet brands. I mean, I know some people that brand themselves and they make, they get tons of followers and then they end up selling out shows and showcases and all kinds of things because of their internet following. But I, all my internet following has come from my standup. So I don't, I don't know. I hate the internet. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I like it. But the reasons I like it are also why I hate it. Yeah, I think everyone kind of feels like that. I mean, it's so stupid. I mean, I I just go on there and I just read people arguing with each other and it just seems so dumb. And 
Um, and I don't want to make anybody feel dumb for trying to find their brand, but I just don't think it's a thing you can go looking for. It's not a quest. I mean, you're going to spend all your time looking for your brand and not enough time writing your jokes. I say, write your jokes and see what happens. Our friend, when he came to stay with us, he was a comic in Los Angeles and he's like, I was asking him about the scene. He's like, yeah, like people care more about finding the right jacket than writing jokes. And to me, that's just, that's so LA. Well, I, you know, I found the LA, the few LA shows that I've done, I find people to be very good performers, you know, like they really perform well, but it's not. uh, And again, I mean, I'm doing open mics and showcases, but I'm not overwhelmed by how great everyone is. Yeah, but do you have a cool bomber? Right. Cool jacket. Right. Because that, that's, that's what's going to get you ahead. Yeah. You know, but you know, I I feel that way about a lot of showcases and a lot of things that I do because I just think there's a huge population of comedians out there. Now, not all of them for sure, but there's a huge population of comedians out there that I don't even know what they're doing. Like, do they want to be comics because I'll, I'll, I'll see people that I think are pretty funny, and I don't just come right out with offering advice to people. I just find this podcast is better for that. If you want to hear it, you can hear it. If not, I won't force it on you. But I just find that uh, you know you give them a little advice on how to get into some clubs or something like that, and then you know you you follow up with them a month later, and you go, "Hey, how, have you have you sent out any of those emails?" They're like, "Oh, I'm about to do it right now," and it's like, "Oh, you don't." You're not really trying to be a comic, are you? Because comics crave stage time. I mean, we want to be on stage. That's the most bizarre thing to me about other comics shaming comics for doing comedy right now is it's like, that's what we we love to do comedy. I mean, that's what it's all about is getting up there, telling people jokes and making them laugh. Getting those instant laughs is what it's all about. I mean, I love doing comedy. So when people, when I, when they say, oh, I'm trying to get in on the road and I give them avails, uh, I give them emails and they don't send them out. I'm like, what, what are you doing? I mean, I know a couple of people here in the Nashville scene that I've given the avails to, or I've given the emails to, and they started following that. And then they started getting gigs and now they work all the time. Um, and I know other people that I have given it to and they've not used it and then they never get better. They almost get worse because they, they, they live inside of the open mic bubble and they get used to writing jokes that make the comics laugh and then they just fall into a hole of regression. Do you know what I mean? Like good comics that are really funny. They never work the road. They never, you know, move to a big city, you know, because I I think it's one or the two. I mean, I think if you're not going to work the road, move to a city Um, because you got to work the road. You got to get a lot of stage time and one or two open mics with the same people in the room is not going to get it done for you unless people can can come together with a creative a creative team. I mean, honestly, in Charleston, we had such a small scene. It was always the same comics every week at the open mics, but we worked really hard to get audiences to our shows, and then we would help each other. We would add tags to each other's jokes. We would go, hey, what, what if you think about doing that joke this way? And we all helped each other get better. We had an incredible scene. 
And it's not like that there now. And, uh, and it's too bad. I mean, because I feel like in some ways, some of the people that have taken over the scene are, uh, they don't treat people nice. They're not nice to them, you know, and they don't, I don't know. It gets too egotistical sometimes comedy does. And I mean, I, I think that's fair. But I mean, that, that's, that's what we all have a bit. You know, we all have a bit of an ego to be able to want to do something like this. Mm-hmm. To be able to want to stand up on stage and listen to people listen to us talk. Yeah. You got to manage your ego, though. You got to, sometimes you got to take hits. And very few times you got to stand up. But most of the time you're taking hits, you're navigating you know, you're as uh, as uh, savvy as a wolf, innocent as a dove. And you're going to be faced with a lot of choices like that where you're like, um, uh, you're going to have, you know, you're going to send out emails to clubs and the, the, the club uh, booker is going to not email you back or they're going to email you back something snarky or they're going to tell you that your video sucks. And it's like, do you fire back an email and say, you know what, uh, F off, dude. Or are you going to go, hey, I really appreciate you giving me that insight, and uh, I'll get you a new video uh, next month when I send you a Vails? Because that's the way you handle it. You, it feels good to fire off a thing. At, uh, but I worked with you know, Chris Frangiola in 2015, and uh, something he said to me always sticks with me. He was telling me about another comic that used to feature – at this club. And I don't even know the comic anymore. He used to feature at this club. And he said the club manager called him and wanted to give him some feature dates. And he was like, oh, I don't feature anymore. And just said it real snarky like. And, you know, I get that. But also, Chris Frangiola said to me, he's like, he's like, comedy is a long game, man. You know, it's a long game. You're going to be in this for a long time if you want to be. And you don't want to burn those bridges, you know. I just remember him saying that comedy is a long game and it's like, you know, here's a guy uh, who's had a lot of success uh, and is still touring. Is still doing comedy. He's had a lot of success. A lot of people know who he is, but he's not, you know, he's not, I don't know, a mega star, but he made uh, a substantial career out of doing comedy. And it's like following those little rules. It's like, People act like they want to do comedy and then they want to be some, you know, Axl Rose of comedy. They want to come in. That's probably a pretty dated reference, but they want to come in like the bad boy of comedy and tell off all these bookers and make wild Facebook posts. And it's like, it just comes back to hurt you. That booker that you think you told off, well, you just book the next guy, you know? And it's like, the reality is until you have the power, you have no power. I mean, it's just, you know, it's the way it is. And what do you do? You know, it's like I could um, be doing comedy or I could be selling pesticides or I could be waiting tables. All of them are fine jobs to have. But well, And the reality is, is you know, is, as, mu- as much of an uncomfortable, you know, position you may have felt you were in today, it's a good position to be in. Incredible position. You know, this is somewhere that you weren't, Four years ago, you know? Right. So, And in fact, the, the gigs that I was offered uh, were gigs that I couldn't get before that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And now I'm – and, 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 and it crossed my mind to be – act as though I was in some kind of position to say no to them because of a point of pride. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And not only pride, 
Uh, but but other things too. I mean, I I am a you know I'm a loyal person. I like to I like to take care of people that took care of me. I like to remember the people that have helped me and help them if I can. Um, and so difficult decisions. Yeah, I mean, but the, the, the point is, they're always going to come. And uh, and I don't know if this has been any advice to anybody, but I just want you to know if you're if you're out there right now and you you've got a decent five minutes or a decent ten minutes and you're working it and you're like, if I could just find my brand, uh, I just want you to know that's not the answer. Um, depending on what you want. Now, if you want internet fame and that's all you want is internet fame, then by all means, find your brand. I don't know how to help you do it, but do it. But if you want to be a comic, just write jokes. Just be a comic. And all the rest will work itself out. Yeah, uh, a couple years ago, I was trying to figure out my brand and my friends told me that I was like wholesome and edgy. Um, And then I found out who Taylor Tomlinson was and like, <laughs> oh I, she looks exactly like me oh and she's younger and in a better joke writer bye <laughs> um well yeah I mean Taylor's great but you're also great I do yeah but we look like the exact same um no offense Taylor why would that be offensive I don't know I'm just trying to be funny oh okay but I also quit comedy so sometimes okay. my jokes don't land uh, but um Yeah, oh, yeah, so I really detoured you on that one. Well, yeah, I mean, but no, it, it, I think that like that, trying to force a brand on yourself. When people ask me, what kind of comedy do you do? I don't know the answer to that. And they go, what, what comics are you like? And I'm like, I don't know the answer to that either. Some, pe- some people call me a redneck Mitch, redneck Mitch Hedberg, but I don't see that either. Uh, I don't mind it when people call me that, but I don't see it. I mean, I... I, I yeah, some people say I'm Charlie Sheen in disguise, so I don't. So weird. Well, we listen to him a little bit. Like his voice, I think I I can hear it maybe a little grovelly. Yeah, but maybe the delivery of the voice. Anyways, I don't know. But so advice to comics. So yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, my my point is, is I just don't think that's a stumbling block for you. There's no need to find your brand because if you say this is my brand. Then you're going to try to write for that, and then if it's unsuccessful, you're going to find yourself in some kind of weird hole. Just write the things that you think are funny, and then tell those. And then if people don't laugh, rewrite it. Make it funny. Make it happen. Choose all different points of view. When, you, when, a, when a joke doesn't work, put it to the side. Keep it, but put it to the side. Try it again later. Film yourself. Watch how you're telling it. That's how you get it. This is the last thing I want to end on. Just uh not even a religious thing i don't have any bible verses i'm not going to try to do anything like that but i just when 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 i was younger i got really interested in eastern religions like buddhism and things like that i was really into reading motivational quotes this was long before you could find them on the internet i bought a book of motivational quotes i had a book called the book of secrets i was reading about uh, meditation techniques to open your third eye. And, um, you were doing all this while you were a Christian. Yes. Well, I had no foundation. I barely knew anything about the Bible. And so that's the point of this is that Jesus and God tell us to meditate on his word. It says, meditate on my word, meaning we shouldn't, I don't think we should do these meditation techniques where we just empty our mind. I think, 
you know, I mean, obviously, if you're not a Christian, then you're not going to do this, and I'm not telling you what to do. But if you're a Christian, and meditation is okay. In fact, God says to do it, to meditate, but meditate on his word. So I don't know exactly what that means, but read a little bit and then meditate on what that means. Meditate on the things that that God uh, says in the Bible. I mean, that's what I think he means. And, um, and I think that gives you a clear understanding and can also draw you closer to God, which is ultimately what I think we all need is some type of spiritual center. We're all trying to search for spiritual center through yoga, meditation, and this and that. But just prayer uh, is meditation. I think sometimes we think when we pray, we need to just talk, 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 talk. But I think oftentimes prayer is sitting in silence, listening and seeing if God is speaking to you. And I think that that is meditation. And also fasting, I always thought about as some sort of, you know, Eastern religion type thing. You would hear about uh, Buddhist fasting uh, for, you know, uh, uh, protest or fasting for this and that. And then nowadays we, we, we hear about um, intermittent fasting where they, you know, fast for a half a day and then they eat. And But fasting is... In the Bible, I mean, Jesus says that uh, prayer and meditation are are two of the biggest things to, you know, drawing you close to him. Fasting is prayer, fast, meditation. You know, I don't know exactly the thing, but he talks about fasting all the time. Like fasting is so big. I mean, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And we say that's impossible. But I've read stories of people saying that they do those things. I've read stories about fasting where a guy said he fasted for so long that he actually pooped out some metal that he ate when he was a small kid. Like fasting, it's, it's interesting to think about reading that Jesus tells us to fast and how important it is for us to fast. Meanwhile, the church never teaches fasting. You go to a Baptist church, they never teach on fasting because all they want to do is eat fried chicken and mashed potatoes, which are delicious, but they never talk about fasting. It's not even a thing that ever gets mentioned. And But Jesus is like, fasting is so important. And he says, do this. And then we learn that fasting has all these health benefits to, the, to us, these things that provide... Uh, uh, health benefits. It reju- rejuvenates us. It gives our digestive system an opportunity to work on food that we've eating, eaten that needs time to break down. It gives our cells time to regenerate. It it helps. That's why this guy, he, he apparently when he was a kid, when they would get sick, they would swallow this metal, and this metal was supposed to do something to help them get better. I don't know fully, but I guess he never even thought about it anymore. And then he fasted for so long, he pooped out the pieces of metal that had been in his body for like 40 years. Um, I read a story about a guy who fasted for long enough that his gray hair began to regrow in as brown hair. He began to regrow the color of his hair. I think so many things that, that we think can't be cured would just be cured by our bodies if we took time to stop eating the bad things and either eat nothing 
or eat healthy greens and healthy foods that nourish our bodies. And I mean, that seems obvious, but just, you know, not eating for a day and then having some green juices will do so much for our bodies because I think a lot of us are are overweight and we're walking around um, looking looking like we've eaten too much, but our bodies are starving. We're starved of nutrients because – and and because um, you know we're, you know our body is not getting any. If we go to McDonald's, this is how when I lost weight, this is how I looked at things. I and I you know obviously I've 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 gone off to a different path here and there. But when I lost forty pounds in two months, I started asking myself what I was eating, and I said, "Does this have any nutritional value?" Because if it doesn't, do I need to be eating it? And the answer is no. Now, when you get to desserts and stuff like that, that's different because you're like, well, I don't know. Is any of the desserts I'm going to eat have nutritional value? So I decided that I'm going to have desserts. I'm going to eat frozen yogurt. And I used to eat frozen yogurt like every single day. I'm going to eat these things, but when I, that's going to be the dessert. That's going to be the thing with no nutritional value. And then the other stuff that I consume will only be stuff that benefits my body. And I think that's the way to live. And I just want, so the reason that I say this is if you're a Christian and you're going to a regular church, they probably never talk about meditation or fasting. And if you're like I was at the time, you never read your Bible. So you don't know any of those things because you don't read it. And then the preacher doesn't tell you anything about it. So meditation and fasting are not only okay in Christianity and are not exclusive to Buddhism, but they're encouraged. And uh, also Hinduism. Uh, no, not Hindu. Uh, Muslims. Muslims fast all the time. They, they have, what is it, Ramadan, where they fast uh, all day and then they eat at night for, for a period of days. I don't know how long it is, but, uh, you know, it's like a lot of cultures are fasting and they're fasting uh, all the time. And it's like, we should be too. As Christians, I feel like we're the most overweight religion and I feel like that's because we don't ever fast or meditate and we don't care about our dietary laws, which I would like to get into on another podcast. That's my most exciting one. When I talk about food, uh, I can't wait to talk about it because I've learned so much. And uh, I find when I talk about the dietary laws, the only people that are mad at me are other Christians. And I'm afraid to upset my Christian listeners that I have. But I do want to share because I don't want to preach to anyone. But I want to share the things that I've learned. That's the same way with my podcasting uh, advice to comics is that I'm not telling you how to do comedy. Uh, I just want people to be successful. So I want to share my tools for success with them because it's important to me that we all be successful. Um, Because you have a heart that wants to help. And I know that people, if they are more successful, they're going to have a better outlook on life. And it's going to make life better for us all. And I do have a heart to help people. Let's wrap it up here right at an hour. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, dear. And thank you for listening. We're having a good time.